0: Kia ora koutou kou, Victoria McLennan tako Welcome to Bridging the Gap, a podcast that celebrates diversity here in Aotearoa, New Zealand's digital technology industry. I'm the CEO of IT Professionals, te hangarau Nayo. From developers to programmers, product managers to designers, this field is filled with a wide range of individuals who bring unique perspectives and skills to their mahi. Join us as we delve into the stories and experiences of those who strive to bridge the gap and foster a more inclusive and thriving digital technology community here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Kia ora. I'm here today with Natalie. Thanks for joining me, Nat. It's good to see you.
1: Pleasure to be here.
0: Um, as you know, this Bridging the Gap podcast is about showcasing diversity and people in different roles who come from different backgrounds, and so it would be great to hear your story today, so to help us get to know you, why don't you give our listeners a bit of an elevator or a barbecue pitch of who you are and what you do in the digital technology industry?
1: Sure, well, sounds good. Um, yeah, Kirilla, I'm Natalie, um, born and bred Palmerston North, um, have spent many years on and off over the last decades living Offshore, um, specifically Sydney, um, right now based on the Capitol Coast. Uh, and my current role is um, in digital technology as managed services lead for PWC here in Wellington. So recently returned to PWC to that role after um, a period during COVID of being back and forth between two countries and trying to work out where home was going to be. So it's nice to be back on New Zealand soil and um, yeah, working back here.
0: And um I know we've talked about it before, but and it's not in my script, but how did how have you found the contrast between working in Australia to coming back to New Zealand? What are the differences, I guess, between
1: That's the interesting. it's interesting. It's interesting. Um and I think COVID's had a lot to do with it, right? So we left here um eight and a half, nine years ago, um, you yeah, know, for greener pastures, if you like. And at the time, they were greener pastures. The wages were significantly different. The lifestyle was probably significantly better um, at that time. And then, you know, COVID hit and we were stuck in a, another country and couldn't get home. I had an older daughter who was here um, and obviously parents and things who couldn't see their grandchildren. So that was kind of catalyst for moving home. But I think um, the landscape had changed significantly in the time we'd been away and, um you know there's greater pay parity now with tech roles in new zealand there's greater opportunities um you know there's a lot of people moving home at the same time that the tech community is growing. i know there's been a regression again and there's people jumping back over the over the ditch but um there's a lot of people that moved home and it kind of felt like a whole community coming home together because there's so many people
0: doing nice. the same thing yeah, yeah and um, so before you moved into what you're doing now with p w c you did a few interesting different things in your career. Why don't you tell us a bit about some of those?
1: yeah, so I spent the last um twelve years working in a not for profit space so um I was working with victim support um uh, based here in Wellington as their national Crisis response call centre manager um, fell into technology, if you like, because they needed someone that knew the business and knew the people and could manage the, the change aspect of that more thing. anything. Uh, so I became project manager for a Salesforce project whilst at Victim Support. Um, that gave me an incredible launch pad to go to Australia and to a number of different not-for-profit roles. I've been list to work for organizations that you know have saved lives, changed lives, um, um, helped kids get into university, helped people win gold medals, um, helped people win Oscars. <laughs> um, so yeah, that my falling into technology has really um taken me on a journey over the last 12 years of some really incredible, um, incredible roles. Uh, most recently before I came home, I was working for the Australian Olympic Committee. Um, managing their um, cloud platforms, specifically Salesforce. So all of the collection of data for athletes and teams going offshore to games and the um, challenges that COVID brought having to, uh, what's the buzzword we used? Pivot, I guess, (laughs) everything we were doing and change the way we were doing things to be able to get people on a plane and tour games and with them, you know, with minimal disruption to their um their build-up, which, um yeah, it was an incredible thing to be part of.
0: But so cool to be part of that and, and all of that other mahi that you've just described. That Yeah. Yeah, I, and I just love that about our industry, that you can be working in the tech part of a business or an organisation or a not-for-profit that you're really passionate about as well. It opens up quite a few opportunities.
1: Oh, absolutely, and I think, like, I always... Not-for-profit is, is where my passion is, and I will always, <clears throat> even in the work I'm doing now, I still make sure that's front and centre of um, you know what, what we're trying to achieve. And um, Victim Support was an incredible organisation to go into as my first leadership role, and then obviously the fall into technology as well, the, the lessons I learnt there, but also the amazing work um, that they do and being able to be a part of that was, um, yeah, yeah, pretty special. Yeah, really, really. Really cool.
0: So tell me a bit about some of the challenges that you've faced working in this industry and how you've overcome them, if there's an example you can talk about.
1: Um, yeah, look, there's, there's a couple of examples. Um, obviously, some of those roles have been, and I mean, not just technology being quite male-dominated, but some of those organisations are quite... Male domain as well, and there's a bit of an old school culture there around um, who gets a seat at the top table, if you like. So breaking through glass glass ceilings and you know, making sure that you're seen and heard in that space is is really important. Um, but I think, um, I guess it's it's the, all of the usual things, right? Like it's being a mother and juggling um, juggling the responsibilities at home. It's the taking maternity leave so what impact does that have on you and you know your promotions and that kind of thing I've been pretty lucky but there's been a couple of instances where I kind of had to sit back and and rethink um look at my values and whether they're aligned with what that organization was doing and uh, in one particular situation I walked away because um sadly it was from with a female leader actually um which made it even more confronting at the time but just not an environment that was supportive of me being me and bringing me to the table, very much trying to dictate who I was, how I presented, um, right down to what lipstick I wore to which client and that kind of thing, oh which, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was interesting. And I, look, I, I, no, I don't like, um, when I commit to something, I don't like... Um, Uh, Not seeing it through, but there's there's certainly there was a time there, and when I first returned um, to Australia, that I just yeah I had to make some hard decisions based on what my my um, um, ethical boundaries were, I guess. And that's really sad to hear,
0: but it's really common. I hear this Mm. from other women. That often it's women who they've worked for that haven't helped them, and there's this great quote from Madeline Albright about how there's a special place in health for women who don't support other women. And that's always really resonated with me because at different times in my career there have been women in and roles above me who have um, been very hard on the women in their organizations.
1: Mm. Yeah, really sad. Um, and and saying that, like I'm you know, I'm incredibly fortunate that I've been enrolled other roles, most of the roles I've been in in the last 10 years or so within the Salesforce ecosystem or the digital technology space that there's such an incredible community of people that surround you that, you know, that want you to succeed and will do anything to help um, in that space. And I think we're seeing a lot more of that in New Zealand now than what we were <clears throat> before I left um, nine years ago. Yeah,
0: which is great. So let's talk about diversity a little bit. Um, I know it's really important to you, you and I have discussed how important it is to find ways for people who don't look like us to come and work in this industry. Um, Mm -hmm. What's your experience been around why diversity, you know, in in your words, why is diversity important for you?
1: Well, I I, I guess it's a case of... um, Having many voices at the table, right? Like it's it's, it should never be a single viewpoint or a single lens. We are operating in a world where all of those um, opinions matter. All of those um, people who bring a different uh, sense of what diversity and inclusion is to the table are really important to make sure that we are doing the right thing. That we're supporting. That we are Encouraging the industry to grow in the right way, um, and that, and it's a bit like the it's slightly controversial. It's a bit like the whole woman and tech thing, or the, you know, woman promoting woman, that kind of thing. Well, like, it shouldn't be something that we have to do. It should just be naturally ingrained. Like it shouldn't be something that we celebrate once a year. Like let's have a diversity and inclusion day. Let's have a woman and tech day. Whatever that might be. It should just be natural that that's how things are day to day and we shouldn't be having to call them out. I know we're a long way off that, but um, vitally important for me, and especially in the teams I'm building now my new role, to make sure that we have um, an incredible cross-section of of people from a diversity and inclusion lens to make sure that our clients and our people are well
0: supported. If you're an IT professional or aspiring to be one, we encourage you to check us out as New Zealand's only digital technology industry body who is focused exclusively on the people who work in this industry. We provide a range of resources, events, and networking opportunities to help you grow your career and stay up to date with the latest trends and technologies. Visit our website at itp.nz or flick us an email info at itp.nz. So... You you talked about you fell into tech. So what was that moment, the aha moment where you were, you realised that this is what I'm passionate about. This is right for me.
1: Um, I think for me it's probably it's pretty special in a, a and unique in a way. You know, I don't think people fall into tech hoping to to change lives, so to speak, but I was really lucky in the roles that I was in with the not-for-profits I worked for at the time that We were literally putting technology in that helped save lives or change lives, and Victim support's a great example of that, right? Where We went from 34-odd officers around the country who were still operating off spreadsheets and bits of paper and notepads under their desk to a centralised CRM where we were connected with agencies, we could provide holistic support, we knew who people were, what support they needed, what follow-up they needed, Um, and to think... I can't even remember a time now where we operated without that kind of model in place because it just seems so normal that you should be able to use technology for the betterment of that organisation. So, yeah, I think being able to use technology for good, I think, is is what has kind of driven my passion to stay in the industry and... um, keep helping people on that journey to be able to um, a, go down a new career path or to, to develop a, a new career, but also what what impact are you having and how is that technology being used? Um, so on that good. note,
0: on that note, if there's anyone listening to this who is young and considering what their career options are or working in a different industry and thinking about what to do next, what advice would you give them um, on how to get started in tech? Because we don't all follow the same pathways, right?
1: Oh, that's right. I mean, I'm, I'm a perfect case of that, right? Like, I'm not a university graduate. I didn't come through an intern program. I was a, a, a later in life um, career change um later in life makes me sound like I'm, um you're, so you're not that old <laughs> you know what I mean like I was I was yeah, <laughs> 10 years into my career before I changed to tech um yeah. but I think I mean for me and what I try to do and be a part of especially now that I'm home is building out those support networks and communities for people so people know where to connect and you know find a good mentor find a good coach who can connect you and don't be afraid to reach out to Random people on LinkedIn or go to events and connect with people. Um, I'm fortunate that I'm um, co lead of a not-for-profit user group here in Wellington that is Salesforce specific, but we have people come into that group who have not worked in tech or um haven't worked in not-for-profit and want to know what it's about and how they can get involved. And, you know, you you bring someone in who's on a traineeship or has done some online learning on one of these um, cloud platforms and you connect them with a not-for-profit that they can do some pro bono work for, you know, the rest is history. That can become a beautiful story of them doing six or 12 weeks of internship or a nice little project to get their foot in the door and then 12 months later they're being offered a full-time contract because they've made such an impact. So, yeah, there's a lot of that happening. There's a lot of, obviously, training providers and people out there running um, amazing... um, internship programs for people who are at a juncture in their career or looking for a career change, but I think it's what happens after that that's important, making sure Mm. they're connecting in and um, being given opportunities to to, um, experience what it's like to work in those roles.
0: Well, now I know that you run that group, you wait, I'll be hitting (laughs) you up because I get people (laughs) wearing my my DECA hat, Digital Equity Coalition hat, I get people contact me all the time with. How can I help close, with closing the digital divide? And there are so many not-for-profits in our network who who potentially do use Salesforce. I don't actually know. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, potentially we can connect people up who are enthusiastic yeah. to, think, yes. in the right
1: direction. Yesterday's session was actually really great. That's the first one we've done um, for a couple of months, and it was specifically focused on training and change and how do you enable people to to adopt. The technology, right? Like and shifting away from um, focusing on tech risk to change risk, and how you take people on that journey to make sure they're enabled. Um, Nice, that was fantastic. Nice.
0: Right, we're up to my gnarly question. (laughs) If you if you could invent something to solve a wicked problem, what Mm. problem would you solve?
1: I mean, there's got to be something there that's aligned with my passions for supporting people in not-for-profits right so whether it's um some kind of safety app that helps people who are in difficult situations or whether it's um um, technology that connects young school leavers who might be on the cusp Mm. of falling out or falling into the system um, and how you support them to stay on the rails and get the support they need something like that would be yeah and like you know, young people, I mean, I've got, I've got two teenagers myself and it's all technology focused now, right? Like they would never go and when half the time they don't even use Google. They find out what they find out from TikTok or from some app that pops up on their phone. So I think being able to find other ways to use technology to engage and keep um, kids engaged as they make that transition out of school would be an important.
0: Yeah, and especially, you know... Technology. We just had that news out of China recently about their youth unemployment and more than 50% of young people being unemployed. And so, yeah, that that solving that wicked problem would really help with that that transition into the workplace.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's lots of amazing organisations out there that are doing that work, but how do you support them and put technology in place Mm. that the kids are going to engage with? Um, A couple of the organisations I've worked with in Australia are doing some work in that regard, but... Um, no technology specific piece currently
0: and I think would be good to add. Yeah, yeah, agree. And you've got teenagers, so you live and breathe <laughs> it. Maybe you should be filming TikTok videos. Yeah. To <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <Great> okay, <idea. laughs> I have some quick fire questions for you now. If you could choose between having a robot assistant running around after you or an AI virtual assistant organising your life, which one would you choose and why?
1: I think AI virtual assistant. Um, I think if I had someone physically running around after me, I'd want it to be a real person I can interact with. Um, And it's 2023, right? Robots feel very last year.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. And yes, AI is very this year. Yeah. Um, Next question. What's the best tech gadget in your life?
1: Uh... My son would call me a boomer for saying this, I reckon, but I'm going to say my AirPods because they help me multitask. <laughs> I can do work or I can watch a program while I'm trying to get a child to sleep and have my AirPods in. It's great.
0: I love the way Boomer has become such an insult for everyone from every other generation now. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I get that. And what's the worst tech gadget in your
1: life? Something uh, you bought, something you Quite controversially, I'm going to say my Apple Watch because I never remember remember to charge it. I don't Uh, use any of its features anywhere near enough and know half of its functionality. Um, I need to be much better at using my Apple Watch, so I'm going to say that's my worst. You know how much I love mine, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is controversial for me. It's very
1: controversial, but, yeah, I need to get better at it because I love it. I love wearing it, but, like, I get halfway through a day and it's dead and I'm like, oh, I forgot to charge it last night. Like, It's no use to me now. Just a expensive bracelet.
0: Um, What's your top tip that you give
1: people? Don't be afraid to learn. Don't be afraid to pick up a device or log into the platform or get engaged and um, ask for help.
0: Nice. And talking about TikTok and social media, do you doom scroll or do you shut it all down? Absolutely. (laughs) Worst habit ever. (laughs) Do Do you set yourself a time limit?
1: Like some people say they set themselves 30 minutes or something no. like that. No. <laughs> no, I'm just yeah, it's <laughs> terrible. It's um although I do have to say with um the amount of work I've got on at the moment and how busy it is, I'm not as bad as what I used to be, but I will sit on the lounge and scroll and watch TV and work and try and engage all at the same time and yeah, it's terrible, terrible habit.
0: And um my final question is what makes you happy?
1: um i think seeing other people happy makes me happy and seeing other people kicking goals and being able to help those people kick those goals um i'm very fortunate that i mentor and coach um a couple of young people within our organization and you know seeing them just do awesome things and get recognition and get promotions and um is really cool and also giving back to full purpose organizations and anything you know anything that kind of sits within that realm of where my my passion and my expertise is um and I guess you know my kids are in that same same bucket making you know make sure my kids are happy that they're overcoming obstacles and achieving their goals um it's what makes me happy
0: yeah, that's lovely. Thank you for that. Now, is there anything you want to do a plug or a shout out for today, of any of the wide range of Mahi that you're involved
1: with? <laughs> oh, look, it's all, it's all, it's all relevant, I guess. But I think, in, in particular, in the um, in the Salesforce space, if the Salesforce, particularly not-for-profit users out there, reach out to me, we'd love to have more people come along to that user group and grow that um, community. And if you're someone that's looking to get into tech or have a career change, um, and you want to know more about what I do, my day job, and what we're looking to achieve with a new team I'm setting up at PwC, then by all means, uh, reach out.
0: Nice. We'll make sure we put your LinkedIn um, link with the podcast so people can find you on there. Eh? Yes. Nice. I think, I think it's where you and I do most of our chatting, and it's not really <laughs> meant to be in social media, is so. it? Hey, okay. lovely,
1: lovely
0: to talk to you today. Thanks for your time. Um, really enjoyed it. Thank Thanks you. Too. For Kia pai tora. Thank you for listening. Join me at the next episode of Bridging the Gap.